or will be Christmas seasons where it'll be difficult to find the happiness that you so long for. And when this is the reality, the happy feeling of the season can, can actually even just cause the opposite effect. Instead of joy, one might experience depression. Now, even with this reality, though, here's what I want to consider. Something. I want you to consider this, that Christmas truly is about making joy possible in our lives at all times, okay? Not because of the presents that are under tree, not, not even because we have celebrations with friends and loved ones, not because everything goes perfectly at Christmas, but because Christmas is a celebration of a God who made true joy possible. Listen again to our scripture for today, a passage that most likely you're familiar with. It goes like this. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, look at this, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Now, you have most likely heard this verse read many times. If you haven't heard it in church, you most likely heard it at the Charlie Brown Christmas special, right? It's there. You've heard it one place or the other. These verses are great verses, and I want you to see what they show us about having joy. You know, the angel did say he had brought good news of great joy. And as we look at God's message of joy, let's first recognize that this message in Luke 2 began with an unexpected encounter. Think about what was happening here in Luke chapter 2. Here were this group of shepherds out in the field, minding their own business as they were watching their flock at night, when suddenly an angel appears out of nowhere. Now, I don't know how you would be, but I imagine I would be a lot like these shepherds. I'd be a little terrified seeing an angel, okay? I mean, that's not something that normal happens in life, and so most certainly it would bring a little fear. Not to mention this, who knows what that angel looked like? You know, we often have this picture of angels as these cute little cuddly creatures that float on clouds, right? Or maybe we've got the image of like Clarence from It's a Wonderful Life, right? And so angels are these really soft and cuddly, you know, creatures, whatever that looks like. But I'm going to say this. My first thought is angels most likely look a lot different than what we think. Since every time we see their appearance in the scriptures, people are afraid. Think about this. They more likely probably look like a powerful warrior than cute creatures. But regardless of how they look, their sudden appearance brought fear, as I'm sure it would us as well, as a suddenly again, this angel would appear in our presence. Now, here's what I want you to see, though, in this unexpected encounter, is that God was at work. You know, the shepherds didn't go to the field that day thinking, well, today we're going to have a life-changing experience. No, they went today and said, we're going to tend our sheep, we're going to take it, we're going to get back, we're going to do our normal routine. But here's what we have to see. They weren't expecting that, but God was at work, and because he was at work, that's exactly what happened. They had a life-changing experience. These shepherds went to the field that day again just to do their normal task, only to leave with the greatest news they could have ever received and no doubt having a different outlook on life. In a way, I, I relate to these shepherds and, and that the day that was a life-changing day for me I had, had no expectations. I, I did not think that God was going to change my life in those days, but he did. One time that I'm talking about is I remember when I was a 10-year-old boy and I went to church like I had many, many times before. And I went to church not really expecting God to do anything great, but God had other plans. And he had a plan that he was carrying out. And so God spoke to me in that service in a real way, letting me know that I needed him in my life. And in that moment, I made a decision to give my life to God, and my life has never been the same since. It was a life-changing encounter. 
Much like another time that you all have heard me share about before when I was having another one of those days was I was going about doing my normal business when I was washing dishes and God had other plans. He interrupted unexpectedly telling me that he had another plan for my life. There's something else that he wanted me to do with my life. And he says, you know what you want me to do? And I had to choose whether to follow him or not. And that's when I received my call in the ministry. And I said, okay, Lord, I'm going to follow you. In both of those cases, I didn't expect God to do anything. I mean, I wasn't looking for something miraculous to happen, but God had something he wanted to do unexpectedly. And here's what I want you to personally see today, is that God might be wanting for you to have an unexpected encounter with him. Maybe you're here because a friend invited you to church, and since it's Christmas time, you thought, well, what could it hurt? But you came with no expectations that God would speak to you or that anything great would happen. But maybe today is the day that God is speaking to you and he wants you to hear his message. Or maybe you're here because it's your routine. I mean, you think church is a good thing to do. And so you come again, just like you always have, with no real expectations that anything extraordinary is going to happen. Well, maybe God has a message for you today. Or maybe you're here today because you're hurting and you're looking for answers. And you'd seen others attend church before and it seemed like it helped them. And so you thought, what what could it hurt if I tried church? But you came not really expecting anything good to happen, not really expecting to have an encounter with God. But maybe today that's exactly what God wants, to have an encounter with you. Now, not sure whether you fit into one of these categories or, or one I didn't mention, but could it be that God wants to have an encounter with you that you're not expecting? And because of that, I want to ask this question. Are you open today to hear from God? You know, the angel, the word angel basically means messenger. And so the angels came with a message from God meant to change the life of the shepherds and many others. And though I'm not an angel by any means, I mean, I don't even think my mama would call me an angel. Okay. Here's what I know. I know, nevertheless, that God has given me the opportunity to speak today, and my goal, my responsibility as a preacher is to share a message of the Lord. And so if God wants to speak to you, are you ready to hear? I ask that in part because your willingness to hear from God will make a difference in what happens in your life. In Mark 4, Jesus taught a parable about a sower who went out and sowed seed And he said, depending upon where the seed fell, whether the seed was productive or unproductive. When Jesus explained that parable, he explained that it was referring to the people's acceptance of God's word. And the last thing he said was this, but those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. So here's what I asked you today. Are you willing to be good soil? I hope today that you will hear what God says, all right, even if you came here with no expectations, and if you maybe even came with negative expectations, but but I pray today, even if you came doubting, that if God speaks to you, that you're ready to say, I'm ready to receive it. In fact, here's what I pray. I pray that many will have an unexpected encounter with God today, and that he will speak to you and change your life. I pray that you'll receive his message and let it produce in you a hundredfold in your life. Now, as the shepherds had this unexpected encounter, though, we see the angels had a very specific message. Look at what they said. And they said, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. This message that the angels brought was indeed a life-changing message. This message first was a message that was good news. In the original Greek language, the word good news is actually one word, and it's the word euangelizo. It is the word from which we get our word evangelism. Maybe you're familiar with that word, maybe not. 
So I looked up the definition of evangelism in a, just a secular dictionary source this week, and it said evangelism is this. It's the spreading of the Christian gospel by public preaching or personal witness. And then I looked it up, and the Gospel Coalition had a definition, and it said this. Evangelism is proclaiming the gospel, the good news about Jesus, which is God's power to save all who believe it and turn from sin to follow him. Now, those definitions will surely help us understand what the angels first told the shepherds, because now more than 2,000 years later, we know that the, the message that the angels shared was about the birth of Jesus and how he came to change lives, how Jesus came to give new life to those who trust in him. It is a message that changes life. Now, one of the ways this message changes life is by giving great joy. Now, notice this. It's, this is not just any joy. Did you notice it says it is great joy? And I don't know how well you know your Greek, but the word translated great in the Greek is the word megos. That's a word we like, right? If somebody came to you and says, oh, how about I mega-size your meal? You're going to say, yeah, I'll take more food, right? Because it's bigger, it's better, right? Or you might be a fan of a megastar. You know what that means, right? A megastar has a lot of followers like Taylor Swift, as much as I hate to say that, right? A mega church has thousands and thousands of members. A megaphone makes your voice much louder. The other day, Brother Jacob was sharing some Oreo cookies that were Oreo mega stuff. I've never seen so much stuff in an Oreo cookie before. All right, I'd never seen it. I think, wow, where do you get a mega stuff, Oreos, all right? We like things that are mega. You know, this life-changing message is not about something that is little. It is about something that's mega. It's about a mega joy. It's not about having some joy, a little joy, a taste of joy, a hint of joy, a dash of joy, a moment of joy. No, it is mega joy. It's having a joy much greater than you can imagine. Now, as we look at this word joy from a biblical perspective, Joy from a biblical perspective is more than just a fleeting moment of pleasure or happiness. Happiness can be momentary and fleeting. It's like, you know, your team wins this week and you're happy, but it loses next week and you're, yeah, or unhappy, however, right? The true joy, though, is in both of those. Happiness is when I go to work and my boss gives me a great compliment for my work, but then the next day comes and the boss is critical and the happiness leaves. It's replaced with frustration. True joy is there on both days. The up and down of happiness comes because happiness, hear me, happiness is based upon external happenings, right? Happiness, happenings, external happenings, that is where happiness comes from. Therefore, my emotions are determined by what's going on around me. On the other hand, joy, especially biblical joy, is about more than temporary happiness. It is about having a deep, abiding sense of gladness because joy is not based upon the happenings, but it's based upon rather the internal condition of one's soul. It is something that is there regardless of the outward circumstances of life. Biblical joy allowed James, the half-brother of Jesus, to write these words, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. It also allowed the apostle Paul to write these words, in all our affliction, I am overflowing with what? Joy. I mean, reading these words by James and Paul seems somewhat strange to us, naturally, because when difficulties or affliction comes, we, we don't think about being joyful. I mean, when we face trials, it's not normal for us to count those as moments of, of joy. However, what the angel was proclaiming to the shepherds was a joy that allows us to choose joy even in the midst of our most difficult moments. This mega joy is something that is supernatural. It is something that is a work of God. 
As I mentioned that, though, our problem in experiencing joy is we pursue happiness, which is fleeting, instead of pursuing the joy that God wants to provide and wants to give us. It's what the Bible seeks to help us find this true joy. Now, as you hear me say this, some of you may say, Brother Scott, it sounds good. I, I really wish I, I want that joy, but I don't think I can have joy. You might say, well, if you knew my circumstances or knew my background or just who I am, you would say this joy is not for me. If that's for you, look again at what the angel said. He said, fear not for I bring, behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for who? All the people. I've heard this passage preached on much all the time, and I'm sure you've heard a preacher do this, even including me, and preach this passage and focus on the fact that these shepherds who were the outcasts of our society shows that since God brought the message to them means that this message is for all kinds of people, even the lowly shepherds. I mean, if it's for the lowly shepherds, it's for me. How many of you ever heard that preached before? Anybody? Many of y'all have heard that, right? But you know what? I don't have to look at that fact to know that. I don't have to point and say, oh, the fact that these are shepherds mean this is a message for all the people because what did the angel himself say? The angel said, this message is for all the people. All the, he said, all the people. Now, when he said that, maybe it meant all the people meant the Jewish people, all of God's covenant people. However, here's what scripture makes clear is that ultimately all the people is everyone, including you and me. This promise of great joy has no bounds. It is for, for those living on the streets as well as those who are on Wall Street. It is for those who buy the expensive meat as well as those who are just trying to make ends meet. It is for those whose pictures hang on a place of recognition as well as those whose names hang in the place of the most wanted. It is for those who seem to have it all together as well as those who seem to be falling apart. It is for those who live in obscurity and those whose names are up in lights. It is for those who trace their ancestors to royalty as well as those who have no idea who their ancestors are because they were abandoned at birth. It is for those who have everything going their way in life and for those who cannot seem to catch a break, this offer of great joy is for all people. Now, I hope this sounds good and desirable to you. Maybe some of you are asking, if that's true, how come I'm not filled with this joy? Well, one of God's prophets, Jeremiah, proclaims something very important to us in Lamentations 5, 15 and 16. Look at what he says. He says, the joy of our hearts has ceased. Our dancing has been turned to mourning. The crown has fallen from our head. Woe to us, for we have sinned. Jeremiah wrote these words in response to Israel's suffering because of their rebellion against God. However, here's the reality for anyone, for anyone, you ready? Sin separates you from the source of true joy. For sin separates you from God. Consider what the psalmist said about what a relationship with God offers. In Psalm 16, 11, it says this. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures, how long? Forevermore. You see, God truly offers to us the joy that we long for. Yet here's our problem. We fail to turn to him. We do our own thing instead of pursuing God's will, which is sin. And because of that, we suffer. And our relationship with God suffers. And in the process, we find that we do not have joy in our lives. Every one of us have let sin enter our lives at some point. And because of that truth, here's, here's what we need. We all stand in need of having our joy restored, which moves to this the source of great joy. 
You see, the angel proclaimed this message of great joy for the people. He went on to be specific about this message and the source of this joy. Look at what the angel said. He said, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. The angel was letting us know that the mega joy we are longing for was going to be found in one who is being born in the city of David. This one whose birth the angel was announcing, though, wasn't just any baby. This child would be different. This one born had a specific purpose and a specific title. First source of this great joy, which is this. He is a savior. All right, now hopefully, from what I've shared earlier, you understand the need to be saved. But if not, let me remind you what you need to be saved from. You need to be saved from sin. The one born that night was going to be a savior. He had come to remove the separation that had been made between God and man because of sin. Listen to these words from Ephesians 2. First words that remind us of our need. We all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Like I said, every one of us at some point has let sin drive our lives, living by what our flesh desires, living what in our mind we have convinced ourselves is okay, but at the same time living apart from God, not considering his will, and because of that we found ourselves in a place where we were children of wrath, which means this if you don't know. It means we were condemned in our sin, really awaiting from God the punishment for our sin. Like a prisoner on death row, just waiting for the executioner to come. We were waiting for God to punish us. No, no joy there, is there? No, right? Our only hope was to be saved. Now, let's read the next verse, Ephesians 2, 4, and 5. But God, okay, here we were. We were waiting for the execution. I mean, we, we, were, we were these objects of wrath, but being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, God made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. There is a part of this good news that should bring us great joy, that God himself, all right, God himself rescued us from our sin. He didn't rescue those, hear me, he didn't rescue those who got their act together. He didn't rescue those who started trying harder. He didn't rescue those who began to make a little progress. No, he rescued us who are really dead, unable to help ourselves, but because of his grace, he saved us. Do you get that? That should give us joy. Think about it. I mean, if you truly were on death row, if you truly are on death wall, waiting for the executioner, and some, someone came to you and said, you're free to go, you're free to go, would you have joy? Yes. Absolutely, right? I mean, if I'm on death row and somebody comes to me and says, you're free to go, I'm going to be, woohoo! I'm out of here, <laughs> right? No doubt. In essence, that's what this good news the angel brought said. I mean, if you want a reason to have joy today, it begins as you look at the fact that God made a way for you to be forgiven of sin and saved you from an empty, dead life. And that way is the baby born that first Christmas, the baby who grew up to be a perfect man who then sacrificed his life for us all. He is the one we were waiting, uh, you know, as, as we were awaiting our punishment, stepped in and said about us, I'll take the punishment. I'll take the punishment, let them go free. You see, our source of salvation is Jesus Christ. Now, many of you here have heard that before, yet here's what so many still do. They run after things that they believe promise joy, but are incapable of providing that joy. People run after false saviors. We live in a world that points people to self as a savior. People are told, I mean, look within and find yourself. 
Become self-aware, and when you discover who you are, and then when you live that out, you're going to find self-fulfillment and joy. Here's the problem. Our hearts are deceptive. Jeremiah stated this truth when he said in Jeremiah 17, 11, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Hear me, if a person simply looks within and tries to become the best version of themselves, seeking joy on their own, here's what they become. They become narcissistic, right? Life becomes about them, all about them. And who enjoys a narcissist? I, I, I don't. I mean, we call these people selfish, and I hope we all could agree that we don't need or like selfishness. Now, if people don't turn to self, then they turn to others, thinking if, you know, they can not find joy within themselves, and if I find the right person to add to my life, then that's going to bring the joy all right, outside of me. So they pursue relationships of all kinds. Many people even entering to what they think is a perfect relationship, only to get down the road and realize that that person who they thought was perfect is not so perfect after all. Right? I mean, when Kim married me, she thought I was perfect, but she didn't take her long to figure out if that's the case, right? They realize that all people have shortcomings just like they do and that no person can bring the joy they long for. After others, people turn to the world. They think if I just enjoy all that the world has to offer, then surely I will find what I am looking for. Surely there is something that if I pursue it hard enough and long enough, it will fill the empty places in my life and will bring the joy I long for. In our society today, I truly believe one of the biggest areas that many people turn to today is sports, all right? I'm just gonna, I'm gonna call it like I see it. That, that's what we do. In the end, you ready? In the end, we never have enough, accomplish enough, or experience enough to give us the joy we long for, all right? When self, others, and the world doesn't work, many people turn to other places, like the, one other place, which is a place of religion, believing if I become religious enough, the emptiness will be gone and it will be replaced with joy. However, let me go ahead and say this. I've said it before. I'll say it again. Religion cannot save you, and therefore religion can, cannot provide you the joy you're longing for. Religion can be good about pointing out your need for a Savior, but religion can never be a Savior that you need. And if you're trusting in a religion to save you, the truth is just, you're just going to become emptier and emptier and emptier the more religion you put in your life. Because if you are just religious, it becomes simply one more obligation that you have to fulfill without joy in return. That is why you need the only true Savior, Jesus Christ. As it clearly states in Romans 9 and 11, it says this. It says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, I love this last part, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. Listen, folks, the only way to not be put to shame and experience joy is to place your faith in the Savior who was announced by the angels or announced by the angels to the shepherds that first Christmas morning. The only way to be saved is to place your faith in Jesus Christ. Now, to understand more fully why you should do this, let's look at the last statement the angel made in verse 11. He said, for unto you is born this day in the city of David. Look at this. A Savior who is Christ the Lord. And there are two words here that are very important for us to understand who Jesus is and what he offers. The first one is Christ. Now, when you hear Christ, maybe you think Christ is Jesus' last name. Because we do refer to Jesus Christ, right? So we think, well, that Jesus' last name, right, is Christ. However, it would probably be best spoken this, Jesus the Christ. The word Christ here is not really a proper name. 
Instead, it is a title for the, the uh, promised Messiah. All throughout the Old Testament, as God's people suffered because of their sin, the sin that caused their joy to cease, God promised a Messiah to come who would bring restoration to his people. He promised a Messiah who would deal with their sin problem. Listen to a couple of Old Testament passages that speak about what the Messiah would do. First, in Isaiah 53, 5, it says, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. Here the Messiah said to be one who would bring us peace, as we talked about last week, and one who would heal our wounds. I probably should remind you that foremost, this peace with God through the forgiveness of sin and the healing, from, the healing is the healing from the wounds caused by sin. Healing from the thing that caused us, that caused our joy to cease. Therefore, the Messiah makes joy possible again. Then in Isaiah 6, we read about the Messiah would be sent by God to look at this, to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and opening of the prisons to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. In this, we see the Messiah meet people where they are, to heal the brokenness in their lives and to restore joy. Now, let me give you one New Testament passage, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the Christ, this Messiah, he has a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. See, as the promised Messiah who fulfilled all these things, he is the one who offers us a new start. He can make us new. When we recognize Jesus as the Christ or the Messiah, we understand he brings us joy because he can heal all our brokenness. Amen? That's what he can do. It's what he offers. Now, not only is he the Christ, but notice this other thing. He is also the Lord. We looked at this briefly last week, but, and I mentioned that Lord means ruler. He's one in control. Some believe that this is a reference here pointing back to the divinity of Jesus as Yahweh. Whichever is the case, here's what we need to know, that Jesus is Lord and as Lord, ready, Jesus is in control. Amen. Now, why is that important? If Jesus is in control, we can have confidence that no matter what we face, we face that knowing that the Lord has it and that we can face it with joy knowing that he is there and that he can provide for our needs. I want to read two passages that express some important truths about the Lord as I prepare to close this message. First Psalm 138, I give you thanks, O Lord, with my whole heart. Before the gods, I sing your praise. I bow down toward your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your steadfast love and your faithfulness. For you've exalted above all things your name and your word. On the day I called, you answered me. My strength of soul, you increased. All the kings of the earth shall give you thanks, O Lord, for they are heard the words of your mouth. They shall sing of the ways of the Lord, for great is the glory of the Lord. For though the Lord is high, look at this, though the Lord is high, he regards the lowly, but the haughty he knows from afar. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, look, though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. You stretch out your hand against the wrath of my enemies and your right hand delivers me. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever. That's a good promises. Then what about 1 Peter? In 1 Peter it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope 
through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this, look at this. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, attaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Think about this. Because Jesus is Lord, you can trust him. You can have joy no matter what, knowing this, that he is in control, knowing that he has a great plan for your life, knowing his purpose for your life will be fulfilled, knowing that he has provided a future hope for all those who know him. He provides all those things, no matter what you're going for, as the Lord Jesus is there for you. Do you understand that? He is the Christ, the Messiah. He saved you. He is a savior, but he is the Lord who's in control. And when I know he's in control, no matter what I'm going through, I can have joy. It takes me really to a place today where I'm going to ask this question. Do you have joy? Some of you will say, no, and the reason is plain. You've never placed your faith in Jesus Christ and therefore had never been forgiven of your sins, so you don't have a relationship with God and consequently no joy. If that's you, let today be the day that you place your faith in Jesus Christ. Let today be the day you find forgiveness of your sin, have your relationship with God restored, and find joy in your life. Again, you might have come here today without expectations. You didn't come here today saying, I'm going to church. I'm going to get saved today. No, you came here just, I I came for whatever. Maybe your parents drug you to church today. I don't know, right? But you came and you heard how God loves you, how Jesus is the Savior. He came to bring great joy, and he wants to save you from your sin. What's holding you back from giving your life to Jesus today? I'd pray today, if you don't know Jesus in your life before you leave, today, give your life to Jesus Christ, the one who saved you, and it wants to be the Lord and master of your life. But maybe you're here today and a believer who's struggling to find joy. Maybe what you need to do is remember who Jesus is and what he provides and choose joy today. He is the Savior who is Christ the Lord. You can trust him today. And you can trust your current difficulty to him. You can find joy even in your trial as James and Paul did. But to have that joy, hear me, you have to trust it to the Lord. You might as well, all right, trust it to him. You know why? Because he's already in control, right? Surrender your difficulty to him and say, Lord, I give this to you and find joy that you long for as you trust it to him. Whatever that is, trust him and see how he provides so that eventually you can do what the shepherds did after they went and saw their savior wrapped in swaddling clothes. It says, and the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. See, I want you to be in this place where you can go out and tell everybody what the Lord has done for you. I would love nothing greater than today for somebody to come and give their life to Jesus Christ and be able to leave and go home and say, let me tell you what the Lord did for me. He saved me today. He's given me new life. He's given me hope. He's given me joy that you can go out and tell your family and tell your friends what Jesus has done for you. Also, even if you're a believer that you could come today and say, you'll never believe what the Lord did for me. I had such a burden. I had such a fear. I had all this, but I laid it down to the Lord and he gave me such a peace. You won't imagine the peace and the joy that the Lord gave me even in the midst of my trial, even in the midst of my trouble. And you've got to tell the world, listen, there's one who can give you great joy no matter what is going on. That's where I want you to be. 
So we're going to come to a time of invitation this morning. And I don't know what your need is today. But if you need to come and give your life to Jesus, Brother Jacob's going to be here to meet you. He'll love to talk with you about how you can give your life to Jesus Christ. The altar's open. If you want to kneel here, you can kneel and just you talk to the Lord. Maybe there's something you need to give to him and say, Jesus, I know you're Lord, but I've not had a lot of joy lately. and I'm giving my trouble to you. Father, in place, I'm asking you to take this fear, take this worry, take this anxiety today. Lord, and instead, give me the joy that you provide as I know and recognize that you are the Lord. All right, would you pray with me, Father? As we bow into your presence, I'm so thankful that you are the giver of joy. And I pray, Father, today that all who are listening to me today would understand the joy that you provide and would walk in that joy. There's so many things around us, God, that want to steal that joy. But what I do know, Lord, is when we look to you and trust in you, you can give us joy no matter what the circumstance, no, no matter what's happening around us, Lord, you can give us joy. And so, Father, today I pray that we'll all turn our eyes up to you and let you be the Lord, the Master, the Christ, the Savior of our life today. Be all those things for us today so that we can leave here walking in the joy of that message that the angels proclaimed that first Christmas morning. So move in these moments again. Maybe somebody, again, was, didn't expect to come and be moved today, but I pray there's been somebody moved by you and that they'll come today to make that decision to follow Christ. And as I pray these things, I pray them in Jesus' name. Amen.